Let's just pray. Father, we just thank you for your presence in this place. And um, thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in Church Unlimited City. Father, we thank you that uh, your hand is upon this place. And Lord, you're just moving it forward into all that you have planned, designed, and purposed to do. We thank you, Lord, right here in the heart of Auckland. Lord, you're raising up a church, an apostolic church. Lord, that is going to make a difference, Father, to the atmosphere and, Lord, to this city and help turn it, Lord, towards you. Father, as we come to your word, I thank you you're going to speak to every person in this place. Father, by your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Last Sunday, I was speaking at uh, Church Unlimited Whangarei, and I spoke on being uh, powerful, anointed, full-time ministers of the gospel in the workplace, in the school, university, in your home, your street, wherever God's placed you. The interesting thing is I, I preached it, uh, uh, there, and um, as I was preaching, this happens sometimes. God gives me prophetic words as I preach, and um, sometimes you get a prophetic word as you're speaking. You just have to identify that that's actually a word from God. And the first word he gave me was, I was talking about anointing. He just said, he said, no, no, mighty anointing. Mighty, not just anointing. You're not just an anointed minister of the God. God's going to put a mighty anointing upon you in the marketplace, in the workplace, wherever he's positioned you. And I'm going right from the home to the, you know, the, the top office and the executive branch. A mighty anointing. And I think what we're going to start to see in Church Unlimited is God's going to start using people powerfully in the marketplace. We're going to start hearing these incredible testimonies of God doing stuff. And so there's going to come a shift away from just talking about you know, the powerful preachers. We're going to start talking about, oh, do you know that powerful marketplace minister? Do you know that powerful workplace minister? And you know, almost the hunger is almost going to be more to be a, a, an anointed workplace minister than even to be a, a, a pastor in the traditional sense of the word. So there's coming a shift, and it needs to come because we all know that all the lost people and the needs are actually not inside the four walls. They're actually outside the four walls of the church. So God's going to give mighty anointing for it. As I speak to you today, God's going to speak to your heart. Every one of you are going to hear something that's from heaven. That's what you came for. You don't have to worry about the rest of it. Just that one thing God's saying to you, grab a hold of it, take it, and that's what's going to change your life. It's going to transform you. It's going to add life to you because that's what the voice of God does. But as I was preaching, uh, God gave me a second thing. It was a phrase, actually, that I've never, ever used before. And um, it, I just, when it came out, I just knew God was speaking, so I just repeated it over and over. They probably got really bored hearing it. But when I get something from God, I just keep going on it until it kind of lifts off. And the phrase was, seek his face for your workplace. Seek his face for your workplace. And as I reflected on this over the last week, I thought to myself, my God, how did I ever miss this? We should have been doing this for the last 30 years at Church Unlimited. Because workplace is where you all are. You know, workplace is where the needs are. That's where the lost people are. They're not mostly in here. They're, they're out there. So it just makes perfect sense. We need to seek his face for the workplace. Now, we seek God for, for church and all the rest of it. But really, you know, we, we need to seek him for, the, what, for, for God to move powerfully out in the workplace where, as I said, the, the great needs of the people are. And for years, you know, we've embraced the idea that church is somewhere you go on Sunday, which is true. You go there on Sunday. But, but, but we forget that in the early church, church, you know, the, the, uh, the, in the books of the apostles, they spread the gospel everywhere they went. So you have church every day. You have it wherever you are. You can have church. You have church in a cafe because you're there. You can have it at work, in your workplace. You can have it at school. You know, church is wherever you are, wherever two or more are gathered, or even if, the, if you're there, that's enough. And, uh, and so in, that, in the workplace or your work, wherever you are, your street or your home, you're the pastor. 
So tell the person next to you, good morning, pastor. Good morning, pastor. (laughs) I just love doing that. I love doing that because some of you are far better pastors than I am. Do you know what that means? What does a pastor do? A pastor just cares for people. And some of you care for people far better than I'm ever going to care for people. So Church Unlimited has thousands of pastors. Oh, I just love people. I just love that idea. Just love that feeling. It's a great thing. So you need to shepherd the people at your work. You know, care for the fellow students at school or at university. You know, take them for a coffee with their appetite for Jesus. Some of you will recall the story of Chuck Ripka, who was a senior vice president of the Riverview Community Bank in Minnesota. And the night before he opened the doors in 2003, Chuck and the CEO walked through the facilities and they laid hands on all the desks and all the computers. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Just think about it. Where you work, or maybe if you're outside, on all the tools. Whatever it is that other people are going to be in connection with. And they did that and then they invited Jesus to come in. Well, the amazing thing is that once they did that, it wasn't long before some people began to get saved. And Chuck then explained that they were all ministers of God. They were all pastors. The bank was their their, their church, their ministry, and the customers were their flock that they were to care for and love and appreciate and value. And so customers were offered a free banking service. And in two years, more than 60 miracles were recorded. And over 100 people in this bank were saved. Who reckons that's pretty good? So the New York Times found out about this, and they sent a reporter to do a story on the bank. He was skeptical at first, but he's so impacted that he gave his life to Christ. And then he wrote an article, listen, written called God's Bank, which became the cover story of the New York Times magazine in October 2004. Soon TV crews descended from around the world on the bank to make programs, and people began to ask, is this God's bank? This is extraordinary. And they said, if it's God's bank, we want to put our money in there. Well, wouldn't you want to put your money in God's bank? I sure would. And so the bank grew by a million dollars a week for the first two years, becoming the fastest growing bank in the United States of America. All because one man decided he was a mighty, powerful, anointed, full-time minister of the gospel in the workplace. And he transformed his workplace. Friends, you know, somewhere along the line, People are going to start to get this, and we're going to see some extraordinary things happening through Church Unlimited and through each and every one of you as well. And, uh, you know, God connected to this message. It was really interesting. God gave me a passage of Scripture, and it's found in 1 Kings chapter 18. I want to read it to you, which I think is actually a key verse for Church Unlimited all over the place right now, all right? So we're going to read from verse 41. Uh, well, in verse 1, you know, the message came after many words. The word of the Lord came to Elijah, saying, Go present yourself to Ahab, I'll send rain on the earth. So there's a promise of rain, or promise of revival, promise of a move of God. Verse 41, Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up and drink, for there's a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground, put his face between his knees. And he said to the servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and he looked, and he said, There is nothing. Friends, what do you do when you pray and there's nothing? What do you do when you pray and you pray again and there's still nothing? What do you do? Do you quit? Do you have a pity party? You know, do you say, I'm out of here, I call it a day, this is not working, this is not working. What do you do when you've prayed and you've prayed and nothing is happening? It's a test of faith. See, to keep praying is actually a demonstration of faith in your heart. 
And so what does Elijah say? He says, there's nothing. And seven times he says, go again. So if you've prayed and you've not seen the answer, here's the word of the Lord to you, go again. Come on, go again. Go again. Go again. Because there's a promise of rain. There's a promise of a move of God to church unlimited city. And if you're not seeing it, God is saying, go again. Don't stop. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't back away. I was talking to someone the other day, and they're having a bit of a hard time, and I was sort of tossing up this set and the other thing, and I just said to them, well, let me tell you my viewpoint on things. I said, when it's tough, when it gets tough, I said, I never run. I never run. I never back off. I never give the devil a foothold. I, say, I just go again. I push in, and I pray in. So he says seven times, go again. Then it came the seventh time that he said, there's a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot, <laughs> chariot, and go down before the rain stops. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and rain, wind, and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Well, there's been many prophetic words, I'll send rain on the earth. We've prayed a lot for revival in church, and we want to so see that, don't we? But maybe, as important as that is, it's also important to pray for revival in your workplace. We want to see God's power and glory in the church, but we also want to see it in the workplace, where the people are. And God's attempt word to every attender in Church Unlimited is seek his face for your workplace or your husband's workplace or your school or your university or your home or your street. Wherever you spend most of your time, seek his face for your sphere of influence because there are lost people in that sphere that God wants you to help reach. This is all a part of our New Zealand and beyond um, vision, really, which is not a one-dimensional approach. We just do a lot of things to help reach our nation. So we do our, our prayer walk, don't we? You know, we do that clothing Sunday. I, we do, I mean, you, do, you do clothing stuff all the time here anyway. We do one out at West. Um, you know, we, we do good neighbors, that sort of stuff. And we have our conference as well. But now we've got adding another dimension uh, to reaching our nation. That's seeker's face in your workplace. And so you may ask the Christian, well, how do I find time to do that? Well, you can pray in your devotional time, but also as you drive to work, as you catch a bus or train or you walk to work, you already have a set time and a set place, and that's a key to prayer, by the way. Set time, set place. Whenever you're on your way to work, pray. If you're on public transport, pray silently, but pray. How many of you would love your workplace to be a fantastic place to work? Well, pray for the jolly thing. <laughs> no? no one else is going to pray for it. You want a, 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 an atmosphere that is loving and kind and generous, and, and you know people do their part, and, and people care for one another, and there's not a lot of backfighting and criticism. You want that in your workplace? Pray for it. You have power to pray for it. Don't just sort of say, oh, man, I, live in a, I work in a stink workplace and bosses this and that and the other thing. Change it. Thank you for the overwhelming response to that point. <laughs> How many of you believe you can change it? How many, does anyone here believe prayer works? Yeah, it does. Change it. <laughs> change it. Change it before it changes you. All right. So for some of you, you are so blessed that you actually get locked in gridlock traffic every day. Traveling to and from work. Well, what a wonderful opportunity to spend time in prayer for your workplace. If you're locked there for about an hour or half an hour, thank God. I believe gridlock in Auckland is God's key to revival. <laughs> it's his key to revival, man. Now, and you know, every effort, if every effort to stop gridlock in Auckland, I pray against in Jesus' name. 
I say, God, don't let it work because we need our people praying. Once you're all praying for your workplace, then maybe the gridlock will change. But let me give you some information you don't want to hear. Auckland has 800 new cars every week. It's a fantasy to think gridlock's going to finish. Forget it. Pray. Pray for your workplace. God has set it up for you. Pray for your neighbors. You know, when you're driving along, you know, you probably see the person that can't hear is cursing away and angry. Pray for them. Pray that God would touch their hearts. So right now, I want you to stand with me, please. Please, please. I said please. All right. All right. I'm going to give you one minute. And one minute takes a We did it at Westman. It sounded like, seemed like eternity. One minute, I want you to pray for wherever God's placed you. Pray for your workplace, pray for your street, pray for your home, pray for your school, pray for university. Let's go. One minute. I'm going, you're on the clock, all right? Spirit of God. Spirit of God, we cry out to you, Father. God, we pray for great peace. Great peace, Father. Great calm, Father. Right relationships, Father, by the Spirit of God. Father, by the Spirit of God, would you move in power? Lord, would you move in power? Lord, would you make it a, a wonderful place to be? You've done 20 seconds, folks. Father, in the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, we cry out to you. We call upon your name. Cry out to you, God. Would you open the heavens? Would you open the heavens, Father? Lord, over every workplace representative, Father, in my street, Father. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of the Lord. Come on, press in, folks, press in. Another, push it out for another 10 seconds. You can do it. You can do it. Father, in Jesus' name, by the Spirit of God, Father, we thank you for your blessing upon every workplace represented here today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Have a seat. Isn't it amazing how hard it is to pray for a minute? It is. It's just amazing. Some of them had to sit down and rest. They couldn't last. They got worn out after 30 seconds. I was exhausted. (laughs) It's just the way it is. All right. So one thing God's been teaching me from verse 44, then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there's this cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. Here's the point. When you see the first glimpse of an answer, a cloud the size of a man's hand, let your faith rise, realizing that God has begun to answer your prayers. This is so crucial. See, as you begin to pray for your workplace, if you do it diligently, you will see God start doing stuff. Things will happen. Things will change. You, you might find you suddenly have a great idea. You might find someone asks you about your faith. You, you might, someone might, a friendship may develop with someone just interested in what you maybe do on a Sunday or a sport or something like that. Or, you know, the boss may give you a favor. You may get a promotion. Something is going to happen. You can't pray for your workplace and nothing happened. Is that right? You just can't do that. It's impossible. So if you will pray, something will happen. Something is going to take place. Something is going to shift. Something is going to change. We believe in prayer. Prayer is powerful. If you're pushing to prayer, things will start happening. And as soon as you see a cloud the size of a man's head, you know that God has begun to answer. And when that happens, start to thank God. Start to thank God for the answer that he's given you. And, and because as you thank God, your faith is going to rise. It's going to increase. And as it increases, you're going to see God do more and more things. And this is something that I do myself in my own personal uh, walk with God is, is I start to thank God. Colossians 4 verse 2 says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it. With what? Do you know what's a key to answered prayer? Thanksgiving. It really is. If you will add thanksgiving to your prayers, you're going to see God do a whole lot more stuff. 
It is amazing what God will begin to do. I heard about this lady, this man who had this terrible cancer. And it's almost like there was no hope for his life. He went and got some prayer. Nothing seemed to happen much. But they went home and he just ate this little bit of chicken and he managed to keep it down. It was kind of like no big deal. But he just hadn't been able to do it before. But the mother, understanding this verse of scripture, she saw the cloud the size of a man's hand. And so she just began to thank God like crazy. She God, this is amazing. Thank you so much that my husband is able to eat this little bit of chicken. It's extraordinary. God, I thank you. You've started to move. Would you continue? The man was totally healed by God's power. When she gives her testimony, she said, that was the key. She said, when I began to thank God for the first sign of the smallest answer, God began to move in power. And friends, this is what I do in my own life. You know, recently we've been praying for the United Kingdom and beyond registration. If you join us in prayer with that, I'd really appreciate that because it's, it's you know, we really need it. And uh, I've been praying. And I got an email a while ago just saying that uh, over one weekend, 14 registrations came in. That's not a lot. But I said, God, I see a cloud <laughs> the size of a man's hand. And you know what happened afterwards? It says that afterwards, Elijah says, there's a sound of a heavy rain. There's a sound, uh, uh, and there was, yeah, there was a sound of a heavy rain. And that's what he declared. And so I just began to pray and ask God and say, God, God, I, I just began to declare and thank him for the registrations that came in. And then I, I began to say, God, I hear the sound of a heavy rain of registrations. God, I hear the sound. I hear the sound. I've seen the cloud. Size of a man's head. Friends, you, you, want to think, you think my faith skyrocketed? It went through the roof by the cloud the size of a man's hand. I think this is where we miss our answers to prayer. I think it's where we miss it. We wait for the big thing to happen. God says, no, 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 little by little. You catch that first answer, and then you see what God does. So what are you praying for right now? There's things that you're praying for. I, I bet you there's a cloud somewhere. I bet you if you look hard enough, there's a cloud somewhere. Grab it with both hands and keep praying into it. Do you know, when I, as I do that, do you know what it does for me? It just keeps my faith strong. It just keeps my faith strong. You know, there may be five bad things happening, but there's, I see, ooh, there's that cloud. I saw it right there. And you do that, because at the end of the day, once you get faith, it's a trigger that releases divine power. Once you've got faith, it's all on. It all happens, and it takes place in a fantastic way. So next week, I'm going to say this. Next week, in your workplace, wherever it is, recognize the cloud, because it'll be there, the size of a man's hand. There'll be a cloud there. Recognize it. As long as you've prayed, of course. There'll be a cloud. Recognize it. And then you're on the way. And see what God will do from the see, <clears throat> once you begin to see God work in your workplace, even if it's a small thing. You know, someone sends you a thank you card, you think, aha, there's my cloud. Once you see it and recognize it, your whole attitude will change to your workplace. Because then you'll suddenly start to look for God, where's God working? So you won't be just going to work you know, doing your own job or digging or whatever you do. That won't be your focus. Your focus will, wow, look what God's doing here. Look what God's doing there. It just becomes an amazing thing. But it's an attitude, isn't it, that you're a full-time minister of the gospel in the marketplace. And it'll make your job a lot more exciting, a lot more interesting. I mean, if you just go to work to earn money, and how boring is that? I mean, how depressing, how 
oh, I don't know what you would call that. If, if there's no vision, there's no purpose, there's no transformation, it's just a good, enough money and you're just waiting for the weekend for your next holiday. Friends, that's not what God planned for you at all. He's got much better purposes for your life. I can see you're getting really excited by that point, so I'll move right on. <laughs> so what are your morning work rituals? Do you check your emails? Chat with your co-workers or you head straight for the coffee pot? You know, these moments are precious before the onslaught of the day. For Christians, the most important workplace ritual, listen, is prayer. Before you check your emails, how about praying? Before you head for a coffee, how about praying? Before you talk to that colleague about that meeting, you're going to have, how about praying? It doesn't have to be for hours. Just pray. Just pray and see what God does. See, prayer postures us correctly before God and man. In your workplace, your most important posture is between you and God and you and the people you work with. You see, and if you pray, it's going to impact on all your relationships and all your interactions throughout that day. And right posture before God leads to a right posture before others. Tomorrow as you enter your workplace, school, university, home, wherever it is, add to your prayers by spending a few minutes just praying for your workplace. Let me, Dr. Halverson, a pastor, always ended his service with this benediction. Let's read it. It's going to come up for you. It's a great benediction. Every service. He says, you go nowhere by accident. Don't you like that? You go nowhere by accident. See, God's orchestrating your entire life. You go nowhere by accident. Wherever you go, God's sending you. Isn't that amazing? Wherever you are, God has put you there. <laughs> you, some of you think the devil put you there. No, no, no. God put you there. <laughs> the person on the desk next to you, they're not sent from the devil. They're sent from God. Hallelujah. Your boss is not the devil in disguise. He's sent from God for you because you need him. Jesus, help us. Christ who dwells in, and dwells in you has something he wants you to do through where you are. God's got a mission for you. Believe this and go in his grace and love and power. Do you like that? You go nowhere by accident. Everything's a divine appointment. Everything. You begin to see this. It'll change your life. Change how you approach everything. At the end, after he died, this guy, Dr. Halverson, he wrote his own um, benediction for his funeral service and they played it by video. You might want to think about that sometime. So here it is. Here's his benediction. You may not be right where you are. You, sorry, you may not be right where you want to be. I'm sure there's some of you here today. Oh, God, change my job. Get me out of here. Quick. <laughs> but God can use you right there. In fact, God may have you right where he wants you. That's a thought, isn't it? Whether you're making a missions trip halfway around the world or a trip to the local grocery store, God is setting up divine appointments along the way. Mm. Interesting, eh? The challenge, of course, is that they are a lot harder to recognize closer to home because we're on autopilot. Isn't it true you go on a missions trip? You're expecting divine appointments all the time. Hey, God, you're going to do this, and God's going to do that, da-da-da. You're on a missions trip every day. When you go to work, that is a missions trip. When you walk down your street, that is a missions trip. If you change your whole approach to that and start expecting divine appointments, it'll be amazing. Don't be in such a hurry. Tell the person next to you, don't be in such a hurry. Go on, tell them. Yeah. 
Don't be in such a, if you won't tell, I'll tell you. Don't be in such a hurry. We're rushing, aren't we? We rush because, you know, don't be such a hurry to get where you're going that you miss the miracles along the way. Or the miracles that may be out of your way. Friends, there are miracles everywhere. But we miss them all the time because we're so rushing this way, that way, and the other way. We miss it all. What a great comment from Dr. Halverson. I wish I could say it was my own, but it's not. So there was this woman that realized that she, uh, she was in her job. She was a top executive, but she realized that God had placed her there as a full-time minister, so she would seek his face for her workplace. Smart lady. And the Holy Spirit spoke to her and said, the acquisition your company is, this company is making is flawed because the CEO of the other company that's selling it has fooled the auditors. It's a bad deal. So he went to the chief financial officer, and she said to him, Hey, look, this acquisition is flawed. You've got to stop it. And of course, he was disturbed by that. And he said, well, what's your source of information? Because you can't just go around saying that kind of stuff. There's dangerous things to say. And so she didn't know what to say. Eventually, she said, well, <laughs> uh, God told me. So he said, well, I have to check it out. So he checked it out, and what she said was true. So he came back to her afterwards and said, what else did God tell you? Friends, seek his face for your workplace. God's going to start to speak to you. God's going to start to show you things. God's going to start doing things through your life, and you're going to get so excited. You'll get so excited, you won't even care about the pain. Mm, okay. You're going to get so excited, you're going to say, boss, don't, don't worry about the pain increase. I'm just getting all my rewards by seeing you guys getting saved and changed and transformed and all the rest of it. All right, fasten your safety belts. Because Matthew 5.13 says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot of, by men. The church is the salt of the world, salt of the earth. All believers in Christ together, we are the salt of the world. Let me tell you four things that salt should do. Then check them against the church. Firstly, salt makes one thirsty, makes a person thirsty. Secondly, salt is a preservative. Thirdly, it's a seasoning that makes things taste better. I like, how many of you like salt, by the way? Oh, it's so good, isn't it? So good. You be careful, though. Watch the arteries. Just doctor speaking now. And then the, um, <clears throat> what else does it do? And uh, it's a seasoning that makes things taste better. It's painful to an open wound. So if the church is truly the salt of the earth, this is what it'll do. One, it will delay the decay in a sinful world. Mm-hmm. It will make the world thirsty for what we have if we're really salt. It will preserve society from getting worse. It will make the world a happier place and our gospel will be offensive to lost people. Many church leaders, including me, are saying very sadly and tragically, the church has lost its saltiness. We're no longer stopping the decay that's taking place. In the world. So often our gospel is no longer painful to lost people. So watered down. So what can we do, folks? What can you do? What can I do? What can Church Unlimited do to be salt in this lost world? Well, seek his face for your workplace and live godly lives. 
Manifest the character of Christ in your workplace. Be the best person in your workplace. Uh huh. Be the kindest, be the most caring, be the most loving, be the most diligent, and always be on time. And everyone said? Mm hmm. Yes. Always be on time. So be the best person in your work, because you want to be salt. Be salt in your workplace. Slow down the decay in your workplace by your presence, by your voice, by the things, the way you behave, by your prayers. Make Christ attractive, tasty, tasty. Salt makes things tasty. Your salt. Make Jesus tasty to those around you. Don't be the nastiest person in your workplace. And people say, that's your Jesus. I'm not interested. Preach with your life. Is this making sense, folks? This is what it's all about. This is your mission in the world, to be the nicest person in your workplace. That's your mission, to be the salt, to be the light, to be the influence, to be the agent of transformation, the agent of change. That's what God has called you, and God has called me to preach with your life, with love, long-suffering. Uh-huh. You know that person that decks behind you, that is speaking behind your back and backstabbing you and all that? What are you going to do? You're going to show, love your enemies. Speak well of them. That's salt, friends. It's challenging, I know, but it is salt. Make your workplace a happier atmosphere. Years ago, a leading professional golfer played a round of golf with Gerald Ford, the then US president, Jack Nicholas, and Billy Graham. <clears throat> so they went out and they played the round of golf, and... Uh, Afterwards, the, um, the friend was asked, what was it like playing golf with Billy Graham in the prison? He unleashed this torrent of cursing and said, I don't need Billy Graham stuffing religion down my throat. And he stormed off to the practice tee. They said his neck was crimson and like smoke was coming out of his ears. And his friend went up to him and said, man, was Billy pretty tough on you out there? And the man heaved an embarrassed sigh and said, no, he didn't even mention religion. I just had a bad round. <laughs> Billy Graham had not said a word, yet was accused of preaching. How could he do that? Billy Graham's life was a sermon. Billy Graham's life was a message. The salt had a bite to it. And conviction and the pro felt it acutely. Friends, be the salt in your workplace. Be the light. You know, the Bible says to, you know, be the light of the world. Not so you get, you know, do well in your workplace. Not so you get a promotion. But so people would see your good works and glorify God. You do it with the right motive. To glorify God. Not just for a salary increase. Not just for a promotion. Seek first the kingdom of God. He'll take care of the other side of it. See, motivations are so important, aren't they? Why we do what we do. Our best witness for Jesus is how we work. See, people in the marketplace always say, show me the reality of what you believe by the way you live before you tell me anything. <laughs> show me your life first. Build trust. You know, Build relationship by your lifestyle. And then people will listen to you. Howard Hendricks was seated behind a rude, arrogant person on a plane. He was terrible. Gave the stewardess a... A mouthful and a terrible time. Then he got drunk and he was even worse. 
but the stewardess waiting on him was unflappable. He never got under her skin. She must have been some amazing lady. So Howard Andrews went and found her at the back of the plane. He said, man, I want to, I want to commend you to your boss. You know, you were just amazing with that arrogant man that was giving you such a hard time. You know what she said to him? She said, I don't work for American Airlines. I work for Jesus Christ. It's all a matter of focus, isn't it? And that changed her entire behavior because she wanted to bring glory to God. She wanted to be salt in that flight. She wanted to be light that made Jesus attractive. And you can bet that Howard Hendricks wasn't the only person who noticed. There would have been others that noticed as well. They would have thought, what is it about the stewardess? That's the door for the gospel. So I'm going to finish with this. A prayer. I've adapted a prayer from somewhere else, but I've put my own bits and pieces into it. So there you go. Here it is. Heavenly Father, when we said this at West, there was a real touch of God on this. I acknowledge I am an anointed full-time minister of the gospel in the workplace, at home, or wherever God's place is, school, uni. As I enter this workplace, I bring your presence with me. I speak your peace, your grace, your mercy, and your perfect order in this office. I thank you for the gifts that you have blessed me with. I commit to using them responsibly in your honor. Give me a fresh supply of strength to do my job. Anoint my projects, ideas, and energy. May the way I do my work bring faith and a smile to all that I come in contact with today. Help me to be salt and light so people would be drawn to you. Give me boldness to advance your kingdom in my workplace. Amen. This may not be the most exciting, inspiring message you've ever heard, and I understand that, but this is where the rubber meets the road. This actually is what your life is all about, being salt and light in a broken and lost and a needy world. You are a powerful, anointed, full-time minister of the gospel in the marketplace or wherever God has placed you. May God bless you and help you to be salt and light and bring change and transformation wherever you go. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right, musicians are going to come, and I'm sure they've got a powerful song in mind that's going to bring the presence, the power, and the glory of God into this place without mistake at all. Come on, let's stand together, shall we? And as these guys are getting ready, why don't you just pray again for your workplace? You know, walk through the, the, the offices tomorrow, the ones you've got access, and pray for your workplace and see what God will do. And I'll go and become a workman once again out at West. Hey, God bless you. Thanks for coming.